Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Please be joined by former Raider great Stanford Rab Stan. It's the first official day of the NFL New Year. and We know the Raiders have been very, very busy since Monday. So let's go ahead and take a look at the Raiders free agency tracker as of Wednesday evening when we're recording this podcast. Now, we know they tagged running back Josh Jacobs. They re-signed running back Amir Abdullah, offensive yeah. tackle Brandon Parker, tight end Jesper Horston. Fullback Jakob Johnson and safety Roderick Teamer. Now, obviously, the big news, Stan, is there are free agent signings, which include Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback, wide receiver Jacoby Myers, Philip Dorsett, safety Marcus Epps, cornerback Brandon Facion, and linebacker Robert Spillane. Stan, let's begin with the big one. Uh, quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, three-year deal, $67.5 million, including a $34 million guaranteed bonus. Obviously, it reunites him with Josh McDaniels. Look at in his time with the Niners, he threw for more than 13,000 yards, 82 touchdowns, completed nearly 68% of his passes. I mean, he was 44 and 19 with them, Stan. He also took him to the Super Bowl. So at the same time, Stan, he was a little bit fragile, missed 30 games, ankle, shoulder, thumb, knee, you name it. Do you like the signing? Oh, well, I think that you really have to base it, base it on your expectations. If you're looking at this expecting for Jimmy G to come in and be the missing piece in that lead the Raiders, I'm sorry, lead the Raiders to the Super Bowl, I'm not sure that's going to happen. But looking for somebody who understands the system, somebody who knows exactly what their limitations are, get the ball to my playmakers. I was going to say Devontae Adams, uh, you know, Hunter Renfro, and then at Darren Waller, but uh, we saw what happened with that just yesterday. But still having Josh Jacobs hand the ball too. So I think that Jimmy G is a better option because he understands Josh McDaniel's system, not necessarily saying that he's a more talented quarterback than Derek Carr. Well, Stan, I thought you and I, we discussed this last week. We thought that Jimmy G was pretty much the option at this point with yes. and potentially maybe drafting a quarterback. So Stan, when I look at this signing, I kind of look at it in three different kind of views. Is Jimmy G an upgrade over Derek Carr? And I'm not so sure if he is. Is he a better fit, though, in Josh McDaniel's system? Perhaps. And which Jimmy G are we going to get, Stan? I mean, we've seen three different Jimmy Gs at times. He's been great. He has been a game manager, and he has just been god-awful. Agree with us? <laughs> Is that fair, all three of those? Oh, yeah, that's definitely fair. But I think that that's where he's at his best as a game manager and understanding Josh McDaniel's system, obviously from his days from New England. So that's why. I can say this is a better fit, even though I don't think he's better than Derek Carr from a talent standpoint. And I think that because you know how I feel about young quarterbacks. It's a crapshoot. Drafting somebody top 10 overall, it's a crapshoot. So somebody that you know, at least he knows, at least we know that he knows how to play on the NFL level. We know that. Now, is he a Hall of Famer? Pro Bowler? No. But we know he can actually function as an NFL quarterback, that's all I need. Now, you got to turn your attention to registering, and I'm sorry, improving this defense. Stan, let me ask you this. When I look at the Niners' skill position players, not this year, but previous seasons, and I look at the Raider current skill position players, like you said, we got Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and now Jacoby Myers. <laughs> 
Can you make the case that the Raiders' no. skill positions are much no. better than what the Niners Come on. have had? No. No. Equal? Period. No. You think the Niners' skill position have been better than what the Raiders currently have? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and lay out something for you. And okay. then I'm going to I'm going to lay out something for you and then I'm going to and then I'm going to return that question to you. Okay. Okay, anybody out anybody out there listening, they uh empty formation is when you have no running backs in the backfield and you have five wide receivers. That's why it's called empty. An empty backfield. It's just a quarterback back there and you got five wide receivers. Somebody that you can get the ball to, somebody that you can make plays. And 21 personnel is two running backs, one tight end, two receivers. So 21, two running backs, one tight end. And then obviously you got to have two receivers because you can only have five eligible receivers to catch the ball or to hand the ball off to at one time during one play for the offense. So the reason why I say that is because the San Francisco 49ers can literally be in 21 personnel. That's with Ayuk. That's with Debo. Mm -hmm. You've got George Kittle mm -hmm. at the tight end position. Then you got Juszczyk, and then you got Christian McCaffrey. Now, Juszczyk, maybe I'm pronouncing his name wrong. I want to apologize. He's like a five-time Pro Bowler, so I don't want to disrespect him, but I feel like everybody knows who I'm talking about when I say Juszczyk. Yep. So with that being said, the 49ers can come out in 21 personnel, which is what old school football was back in the 90s, two running backs, power eye, lead run game, things like that. And they could still get an empty formation, DA, because Christian McCaffrey can definitely catch the ball on the backfield. We know George Kittle goddamn catch the ball. Yep. And use check is somebody they can use as a receiver also who's a mismatch for a linebacker. So that's why when you ask that question, no, it's not the same as what the 49ers have. Now, Devontae Adams, at worst, if you don't even if you don't like Devontae Adams, you would put him as number three receiver in the game. Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing yards last year. Now, if Darren Waller was still in the fold, maybe there's a value, there's a valid argument, but he's no longer in the fold. Yes, Hunter Renfro, I like him a lot. He definitely well deserved his money that he got. So the Raiders have nice pieces. There's no doubt about that. But the versatility that you have within the 49ers because Josh McDaniel, Josh, Josh Jacobs, he can go ahead, you can throw it to him on a screen, things like that. But Josh Jacobs can't go out there and line up as a receiver and actually get some linebackers and some safeties, some problems out there in the pass game. He can't do that. That's not part of his game. The versatility that the 49ers with their skill guys, I'm not going to say running backs, I'm not going to say receiver, they're skill guys. Now, I'm going to pose that question to you once again. Do you feel that it's equal between the Raiders and the 49ers skill guys? You know what? You sold me. I understand where you're coming from, and you're right. Their versatility is better than what the versatility that the Raiders can display. I mean, you're right. Devontae Adams, uh, I believe he's the best wide receiver in football. Jacobs, I think, is right now the top running back, but I understand he's not as versatile as, as a Christian McCaffrey. I do think Adams is better than, than Debo. Yes, um, absolutely. Know, yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I, I would argue... Kittle and Waller, if Waller was still a Raider, you could flip a coin and take either one. So I do, Absolutely. Uh, your, under, your argument is well uh, well stated, and, and I do see your point of view. I think the Raiders do have good skill position players, but I understand the versatile uh, aspect of it with the 49ers. And, and because yeah. they're versatile, that's right. what makes Kyle Shanahan so deadly and dangerous as a play caller. Because I can go ahead and I can line up and hand the ball to McCaffrey. I can go split him out wide and let him go up there and make plays against a linebacker or safety. I can now put Debo in the backfield. 
Right. And he can give me about a good 60, 70 rushing yards in any given game. Or I can go ahead, line him up in the backfield, have you think that it's going to be a run play, then go split him out. Or I can take Christian McCaffrey, line him up outside, and then give it to him on a jet sweep. And there's so many, there's such a myriad of options you have when you have versatile guys that Debo Samuels can play receiver. He can play running back. Christian McCaffrey can play slot receiver. And so that right there is what makes the 49ers so difficult to prepare for because you don't know what the hell you're getting. Now, obviously, we saw in the NFC title game, you find they find, uh, the Eagles finally found the blueprint. Simply get rid of their quarterback. <laughs> don't let them even have anybody to throw the ball. And now Kyle Shanahan, his hands are tied behind his back. But otherwise, man, that offense is so difficult to prepare for because of how versatile they are. And that's something that the Raiders doesn't mean they don't have great skill guys. They got top five skill guys, no doubt about it. But the lack of versatility makes it easier to prepare for than versus the 49ers. Good points, Dan. Good points. All right, before we talk about Darren Waller, let's get to our promo read in here. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through the Final Four and championship game, which, Dan, it's in your own backyard there in Houston this year. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAVE to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. All right, Stan, in a move uh, that you and I tweeted about or texted about, I beg your pardon, that surprised us. Uh, the Raiders traded starting tight end Darren Waller to the New York Giants, and all they got back in return was a third-round pick in this year's draft. Uh, it did clear $11 million uh, in cap space, and it gave the Raiders, I believe, what, 12 or 13 picks now in this year's draft. Stan, what is your take on this move by the Raiders? Uh, it makes me really wonder um, what, what was going on behind closed doors because obviously you had uh, Darren Waller signed on a contract. It wasn't like he was going into his contract year or anything like that. It just makes you kind of wonder, okay, were they having trepidations or apprehensions about his health? Was it something like that? Was it just that he just simply didn't get along with Josh McDaniels? Who knows? So that just came out of left field because we didn't even hear any rumblings, any rumors that – yeah, you know, the Raiders might be shopping Darren Waller. It just came out of left field. And usually in today's game, especially with big-name players, Pro Bowl-level players, there's always going to be smoke before we actually see the fire, as we can see what's going on right now with Aaron Rodgers. And I can, and I can uh, go down the list with a, a myriad of other players. That, to me, signifies that it's something more at play. We know that Darren Waller is more than capable. We know that. Obviously, he's had his injury issues with as far as availability. But to me, there's definitely more to that story. There's definitely more than beneath the surface. And then the fact that you were only able to get a third-round pick for him, it just, it just shows that, okay, you play in the same division as that guy that plays for the Chiefs. He just won a second Super Bowl named uh, Travis Kelsey. What the hell is going to be your replacement now for Darren Waller? So, hey, listen, if you got somebody – that you already got your eye on in the draft, like a Kyle Pitts, even though there isn't one in the draft. If there's somebody that you know, okay, we're going to grab that guy, and we know he's going to fill those shoes. Hey, I stand corrected. I will go sit back and shut up. But if you don't have no plan in place, 
then I, along with the rest of Raider Nation, have to ask, what the hell was that move about then? Yes, Dan. Excuse me. I agree. I mean, at the combine, Josh McDaniels is talking about how Darren Waller was going to be a huge part of their offense. And what, two, three weeks later, he is gone. So I want to get Waller's numbers uh, so I get this correctly. I mean, he had back-to-back seasons over 1,000 receiving yards in 2019 and 2020. Now, you talked about the injuries. Uh, He played in just 20 combined games over the last two years. So look at I stand. I don't know what they're going to do at tight end. I'm a huge Foster Morrow fan. They're going to let him test free agent waters. I looked this up. The only tight end they have on the roster, roster, beg your pardon, is Jesper Hornstead. Stan, who the hell is that? (laughs) I I was about to ask you the same thing. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's supposed to be a a tight end rich draft, but Stan, I don't know. I thought that was a position of strength for this team the last, what, four or five Absolutely. years? Absolutely. And now it's a huge, huge question mark heading into the draft and the 2023 season. So, I, you know, just more questions than answers, unfortunately. And then uh, the Raiders' other big move was signing Jacoby Myers. And the Raiders and Myers agreed to a three-year, $33 million contract, of which 21 is guaranteed. Now, he's coming off a year in which he caught more than 60 passes for just over 800 yards. Stan, here's another former Patriot joining Josh McDaniels with his signing. Uh, I got to believe this is the end of the line for Mac Hollins. He won't be back in 2023 for the Raiders. Uh, Stan, if you recall, Myers is the one who threw the infamous Oh, I, I, I remember Patriots very well. Game that Chandler Jones caught in return for the game-winning touchdown. I, you know, Stan, I find it interesting Two things. First, I find it interesting that when McDaniels and Ziegler took this job, they said, oh, this is not going to be a Patriots West. I'm starting to get the feel that this is a Patriots West because there's a lot of of Patriots coming this way. Stan, do you like this signing by the Raiders basically exiting Hollins and in comes Myers? Uh, I mean, you can see my facial expression right here. It's just kind of like a eh. And I say that because, okay, we already have Devontae Adams. Yes. One of the best receivers in the game. You got Hunter Renfro. You got yep. your slot receiver. You got that short away. Now, you got to have that viable number two. Well, then I go and I ask myself, who is a viable, bona fide, solidified number two? Not a number two who wants to be a number one or a number two who thinks he's a number one and he's being delusional. A solidified number two. I know I'm a number two. I'm going to act like I'm a number two. I'm going to produce like I'm a number two. What guy did they have that was on the market that was available? And that's why I say on the market slash available. Somebody you could have traded for. Somebody that would have been available in free agency. And I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Maybe a Juju Smith-Schuster, but no, he just signed with the Patriots. So that's why I don't completely malign this move. Because, okay, I put myself in the GM shoes. Well, Stan. Who else were they going to sign as a number two receiver? And because I can't think of anybody, that's why I just defer to them that, okay, you know what? They're simply doing what they feel is best for the team. And I can't sit over here and completely malign them on it. You know what I'm saying? Here's the way I look at that signing. When the Raiders signed Jimmy G, I texted you. When the Raiders mm-hmm. traded Darren Waller, I texted you. When I read <laughs> when I read the Raiders signed Jacoby Myers, you didn't hear from me. So nope. you know, it's just it's it's not gonna move the radar. It's not gonna move anything, you know. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. he might be a nice, a nice fit as a number two. You know, to me, Hunter Renfro is even though you say he's a slot, he's the number two receiver to me. I think he was misused last year by Josh McDaniels. I think Holland spent 
a lot more time on the field than he did. I know Renfro was hurt as well. Don't get me wrong there, but Hunter Renfro has to have a bigger role in the offense this year, like he did under John Gruden and Rich Bisaccia. I want to see him more involved. He should be catching 100 balls, Stan. No if and buts about it, especially in a 17-game season now. Come on. No doubt about it. And I think that, you know, when you break it all the way down, I mean, maybe you could have, you could have added Alan Lazard, uh, uh, Alan Lazard yep. just signed with the Jets, four years, $44 million, definitely well-deserved. So that's where, to me, and I get it, it's not going to move the needle. I completely agree with you. But then I ask, well, who was going to move the needle? And then that's where I simply cannot come up with anybody. So right. that's why I just take this move as, okay, you know what? This was the best that was available. And if that was the best that was available and you had a position that needed to be filled, then you know what? I go ahead and I, uh, I give it my blessing. All right, let's go ahead and move on now. Stan, and we have three questions from loyal listeners of our podcast. So I want to begin one of them is Stan. Full disclosure, he's my fraternity brother. He's a huge Raider fan for as long as I've known him, Davey Lobos. Stan, he wants to know, with all the Raider draft picks they have now this year, are they going to look to trade up to draft a quarterback, or are they going to load up on the defense with all those picks? I think they should load up on the defense. I simply say that because we know the Raiders, they have what, the number seven pick, correct? They do. Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that C.J. Stroud. I don't believe that Bryce Young is going to fall that low. I don't believe so. At that point, you'll be looking at Anthony Richardson. You'll be looking at Will Levitz out of Kentucky or uh, somebody else. But you're not going to have the Stroud. You're not going to have the Bryce Jones. And so I was watching the combine. Will Levitz, I believe, this year threw, what, 22, 23 touchdowns and like 10 or 11, 12 interceptions. Yeah, give or take. I'm sorry. That's not... They're, that's not top 10 numbers for me. I'm sorry. I, like Whatever. I don't care. So that's why, man, use them damn picks on that defense. Like, get that defense better because, once again, you're still – it's still a crapshoot drafting this quarterback in this top 10 and thinking he's going to pan out because you're going to have usually five guys go in the first round every year, and three of them will be whatever. <laughs> Two will probably be a bust. One will probably be decent – but the team tries to go ahead and put the franchise quarterback tag on him just because they drafted him and want to save face. And then one will turn out to be a stud. I don't feel that you should be actually rolling the dice like that. Get this defense better. Because that's what Jimmy G, that's what he thrives off of. A really good defense, good run game, things like that. Get this defense better. You just gave this guy three years, $67 million, uh, 34 guaranteed, something like that. Go ahead and ride with him for a year. but. Going and trying to use those draft picks to trade up to draft somebody that, once again, Bryce Jones out of Alabama, he's five ten. I'm sorry, Bryce Young, he's five ten. Now stud at Alabama, five ten. Maybe it's going to transfer over. Maybe it won't. Obviously, we see Russell Wilson. Obviously, we see Kyler Murray, my man Drew Brees out of the state of Texas. So I ride with him. So yes, it's proven that. Small, miniature quarterbacks can be successful. That doesn't mean all of them are going to. And then we go to C.J. Stroud, and I ask you this question. <laughs> I'm going to ask you again. Name the last time an Ohio State quarterback was better than average in the NFL. I can't, but my, my argument to that is somebody's got to finally break through and why and not you're right. be C.J. But I stand and look at I'm with you. It, I go back do, as long as Art Schleister, and he, he was a great prospect, but he ended up gambling his life away. I can't think 
Honestly, I cannot. I've even researched this off the air, you and I. I can't find one. I can't. Exactly. I can't. And do you? And do you want to be that one person? Do you want to be that one team that rolls the dice, betting that, well, you know, somebody's got to break the streak. Do you want to be that guinea pig? Do you want to be that experimental scientist? That's where the question lies. And I think for right now where the Raiders are at, you just gave this mother, this guy three years, 67 million. Like, let it be. <laughs> and then next year, we reassess it. But that's why I just think you've got to ride with Jimmy G. You gave him the money. That's fine. But you then want to go spend draft capital to move up. I just think you have bigger needs that need to be filled, or I'm sorry, addressed on that defense. Stan, I agree with you 100% with that philosophy. But here's my question to you. And you and I both talked about this. The draft is a crapshoot, right? Absolutely. So, so realistically, okay, say the Raiders 12, 13 picks. Realistically, do you think they could come away? And I'm probably being a little optimistic. Four starters out of this draft. If they let's just say they went draft heavy with ten or eleven picks, do you real realistically do you think they could come away with four starting defensive players out of this draft? If your scouting department and your GM are worth their salt, then yes, you should come out of this draft with four defensive starters. Because look at how these other teams do it. Look at the 49ers, man. Yeah. Look at the Eagles. Look at the Chiefs. Look at all these other teams that draft these defensive players and they turn out to be, I don't know, good. So if, if your GM, if your scouting department are worth their salt, yes, you should be able to come out of this draft with several defensive starters. Does it mean that they're going to be Aaron Donald? Does it mean they're going to be perennial all pros or pro bowlers? No, it doesn't. But right. guess what? You look at the San Francisco 49ers, you got Nick Bosa, he's a stud. We all know that. You look at Fred Warner, stud. We all know that. But, and then we see uh, uh, the safety uh, that came out of USC two years ago. I, I will mess up name. pronouncing his name. Yeah, all pro, pro boy, much yeah. deserved. So yeah. I definitely like watching him play. But the 49ers is not just those three guys. Like, they have several guys on the defense who are very good. They may not be pro bowlers, but you still can see the impact that they have on the football field. And that's why I'm saying, yes, you're supposed to come out of this draft. What about four good starters on the defense side of the ball? But just because everybody listening, they wind up not being Aaron Donald or Fred Warner or uh, Earl Thomas or Quandary Diggs or Minka Fitzpatrick in the back end, that doesn't mean that they're not worth the draft pick. It just means they're just not a household name. So to answer your question, yes, I do feel if your scouting department is doing what they're supposed to do, yes, you should be able to come out of this draft with several defensive starters. All right, let's go ahead and move on now, Stan. And this question comes actually from Dave's son, Nate Villalobos, and he wants to know how much does the signing of Spillane and Epps help the Raiders' defense? I think it's probably going to move the needle probably a, a minimal amount just because when you look at Epps being, the, uh, being, uh, the, the, being in the secondary for the Philadelphia Eagles. You look at Spillane being that linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, started playing more down the stretch once he got toward the end of the season. So yes, obviously they're not scrubs, but do I think that they're going to step in and be complete difference makers for this defense that, let's go ahead and remember this, DA, they broke a record last year for most blown leads of 20 points or more in NFL history. So we can both agree 
this defense has a lot of holes on it. I think we can both agree now, on that. So 100%. I don't think I don't think that uh, they're going to be able to move the needle that much. I think they're going to be decent players. No disrespect to them at all. But do I think that they're going to move the needle? No, I do not. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Just looking at the numbers, Epps, he started 17 regular season games for the Eagles uh, last year. And he, you know, 94 tackles, a forced fumble, and 17 of those starts. He added three more, 13 more tackles, beg your pardon, in, in the postseason. According to Pro Football Focus, much better against the run uh, than he is against the pass. And Spillane, uh, just for the record, two-year deal, stand worth $9 million. We all know the Raiders mm-hmm. thin at linebacker. So uh, same thing with him. It looks like he could help with the run defense but not sure how much he's going to be able to really play uh, in the passing down. So we'll have to wait and see. And then, Sam, this is a non-Raider-related question, and it comes from Bill Conley. And he wants to know, Stan, do you think there's collusion among the NFL owners not to give Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson a big guaranteed contract? No, I do not believe it's collusion. Just because, once again, here's the thing that a lot of people do not see. And it's very easy to just say, oh, well, they're colluding. Okay, well, hold on. How many teams do we know of that are really, really, that have been reported that are really going after Aaron Rodgers? I'll I'll say two. I'll say the Raiders, and we know it's going to be the Jets, but I would say there's two. How about that? Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers... Aaron Rodgers, he's what, won four MVPs? Mm-hmm. So, oh, my God, it's only two teams that are right. like really are trying for Aaron Rodgers. So, what, are they colluding too? So, no, uh, they're not colluding. And I say that because we all know Lamar Jackson, he's definitely a, a very good quarterback. But Lamar Jackson, yes, he's been injury prone to a certain degree over the last couple of years. But I think mainly, mainly, if you are not fully prepared to go and hire Greg Roman, if you are not fully prepared to revamp your entire offense, the complexity of your offense, if you are not completely married to the idea that you have to have a full makeover, now you got to go ahead and invest in the tight ends because you can see with the Baltimore Ravens, that's who gets the bulk of the catches for the Baltimore Ravens. As far as receivers go, we just saw Hollywood Brown. That's his boy. Hollywood Brown requested trade out of Baltimore. So, there's a certain way that you have to now construct your team if you have a Lamar Jackson as your quarterback. And for teams right now within the NFL, it's now March. So a lot of the coaching staffs are already, they've already been assembled. Well, if I go and I sign Lamar Jackson, which by the way, I got to give the Ravens two first round picks, and I then have to go and sign him to a, a gargantuan contract And then I got to now revamp my entire offensive scheme, which means I probably got to fire my offense coordinator, go get Greg Roman. So there's so many movements that need to be made if I want to go out and sign Lamar Jackson. There's so much red tape. There's so many moving parts to all of this. I think a lot of teams are just like, you know what? I'm not sure it's worth the trouble because at the end of the day, once again, like I've said, and anybody who's listening to this, who wants to argue with me, you are more than welcome to. I'm easy to find on social media, by the way. Once again, I'm going to ask this question. I want somebody to tell me the last time a running quarterback won the Super Bowl. 
I would say early in his career, Steve Young was a running quarterback. By the time he won it, though, with the 49ers, he was a pocket passer, and he would scramble when he needed to. And Stan, that's the closest, just off the top of my head, that I can, mm-hmm. that I can even come up with. And that's what that's Ex- going back almost and, 30 years now, Stan. And, and mind you, Steve Young one of my, is probably my most favorite quarterback of all time because I can say this now. I was a 49ers fan growing up. <laughs> right. Steve Young, at one point in time, had the record for most consecutive 300-yard passing games in the NFL. At one point in time, had the highest passer rating, the highest, you know, completion percentage. We all know the southpaw, the lefty. So Steve Young, yes, he could run. He could scramble, no doubt about that. But Steve Young was still a passer. Yes, he was. And I mean, for multiple years, not just, hey, in 2019, so-and-so, he led the the NFL in, in passing touchdowns. Steve Young was doing that for a lengthy period of time. So that's why I think a lot of teams... Because I got to give them the big contract. I got to give the Raiders two first-round picks. I now have to revamp my entire offensive scheme. I now got to go and fire my offense coordinator and then hire Greg Roman. Because there's all those moving parts, a lot of teams are just like, man, like, is it worth the trouble for somebody that also is injury-prone because Lamar Jackson is not the biggest human being, definitely a stud player. I know that. You know that. So I want to make sure that everybody hears me. But I think it's just so much Red tape, so many moving parts. That's why a lot of teams are shying away. And no, it's not no damn collusion. Stan, final question of the podcast. And I just kind of thought this to myself, and I haven't heard, really heard it brought up much, and I wanted to run it by you. You and I talked about this a little bit uh, last podcast when it came to negotiations. Your agent negotiates for you. Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson doesn't have an agent, Stan. He's representing yeah. himself. And this is just me thinking out loud. I wonder how much that's hurting him getting another deal. Uh, I think that I think you can make the argument. Yes, I think uh, to me, I think that it's more indicative of Deshaun Watson, the Cleveland Browns. They created a monster with the Deshaun Watson contract, fully guaranteed. So now that's what every quarterback. That's what their benchmark is now going to be. Obviously, that's what Lamar Jackson is looking for. And I would probably say that Lamar Jackson's struggles right now is probably more indicative of him just simply wanting a Deshaun Watson contract, which is more of an aberration. That's more of an anomaly than it's going to be the norm. Right. And also Lamar Jackson's style of play, because right now, imagine this. You think that on the next contract that he signed, if he represents himself, you think Pat Mahomes is going to have any problem? Nope. Exactly. <laughs> if you, if, Pat Mahomes could have Bugs Bunny be his, <laughs> be his agent, and he's still going to get everything that he wants. So to me, I would probably say it's more indicative of Lamar Jackson's playing style, the fact that he's been injured, the way the season all played out where there was speculation that they were expecting him to be able to come back for the playoff game, and he didn't. He didn't make the team trip. All of those things more so to me than the fact that he's representing himself. Now, with that being said, if you're somebody who has thick skin, if you're somebody who does not immediately fly off the handle, you're a little bit more even keeled, yes, you can represent yourself simply because where it gets tricky is you're negotiating with that GM. And that GM is essentially telling you why you, your client, is not worth the money that you're asking for. So you have to be able to take those bullets. You got to be able to take that ridicule. You got to be able to take that negative, that negative criticism 
and not immediately get emotional because you're representing yourself. If you're able to do that, then yes, you can be your own agent and still be successful at it. And then also lastly, agents always know what's going on. They know the wave. They know the next trend. They always are abreast of all of that. And so being a player and also representing yourself, you're not able to sit in the press box or sit in the stands with that agent of somebody else and have that casual conversation. But hey, man, you didn't hear this from me, but so-and-so is going to be available next year. Or, yeah, you know, I think that uh, that hotshot quarterback out of, who you know, nobody cares, university, he's probably going to be entering the draft. So you don't find those small little tidbits, those little trinkets, you know, those little notes, those little tips, things like that, because you're representing yourself. And while you're playing in the game, those agents, they're talking amongst themselves, things like that. So that right there is going to be an obvious detriment to the ability to be a stud agent. But I go back to, I think this is more, this is more indicative of the playing style and just simply how the year played out for the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson more so than him representing himself. Good stuff, Stan. There you have it. I hope you got your satisfactory answers, Dave, Nate, and Bill. Stan, good stuff, man. We hit a lot of topics uh, in this podcast. A lot of fun, as always. And look, we know free agency is just getting underway, and the draft's right around the corner, so we'll have a lot more Raider news coming your way. That's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast, presented by betonline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Route, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening, and may all your punts find the coffin corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.